Welcome to Hashtag Wolves in the seventh episode of the season. I'm your host, Noah, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Will, in the Wolves Den. How are we doing? I'm well. Noah, how are you doing? I'm also well. Yeah, I think it's because we had a fabulous week at Timberwolves basketball, and Ooh. we are here to break it down for you. What we've got in this episode is three games that we'll be covering Monday at the Cavs, Wednesday against the Spurs, and Saturday last night against Celtics. Then after the games, we'll be checking in on the Wolves' playoff percentages, checking in on Jimmy Butler, too, which if you don't know who that is, he used to play for the Timberwolves, kind of inconsequential player now that we think about it. Random guy. Yeah, and then we'll be looking at the upcoming weeky games. So jumping right into the Cleveland game to start out the week, we picked up the W, 102.95, and I would say it was a really solid road win, but nothing super special to write home about. Some of the takeaways... It was our second road win of the season, which was pretty shocking. Like, I know we've been bad on the road, but to think that we've only picked up two games, the other one was right after Thanksgiving against the Nets is kind of... Nets and Cleveland are two road wins, too. Yeah, tough places to play. Um, So so it was, like, good to see that the Wolves were able to perform. Uh, I would say it was definitely a solid game for Covington. We've been giving him lots of praise. Towns also played well. He had 21 and 10. Covington had 24, and the only people who really played well for the Cavaliers were Corver and Hood, and I think I think Corver just got traded to Utah. So yeah, so I think we need to start picking up some legitimate road wins. But to keep with your theme, we got a road win, which is nice, you know, better than not obtaining one against the Cavs. Yeah, and going into the game, I was a little bit nervous about it because I had seen that the Cavs had beat the 76ers and the Rockets prior to the game so they were gonna have some momentum and we were looking to start a streak so at the front of the week it was definitely some good context Cavs beat Sixers we beat Cavs so we're better than the Sixers and the Rockets indefinitely yes definitely so I think also one of the Cavs players winked at Kendall Jenner so they're just all sorts of discombobulated right now really takes away from the win but it was a road win nonetheless once Kardashian slash Jenner seeps into your team's like top news nowhere to go but down they're the first family of basketball that's for sure (laughs) so it definitely provided some momentum to start the week that kind of put us at two straight wins and then we jump right into San Antonio and really caused the death of the Spurs seriously 128 to 89 so I think honestly that speaks for about 80% of what I'm going to say because no one really played overly great or poor. It just felt like an overall beat down of the Spurs. It was a sneaky close 128 to, 1 <laughs> yeah, yeah. to 89. There's nothing much to go off on. Um, I think defense was, I guess, the main thing you could focus on. 89 points for the Wolves team, this new Wolves team is starting to become almost like a theme, right? Yeah. Obviously, Boston didn't go as well as we've hoped, but you said, put somewhere on here that we were first in defensive rating, and I saw on a tweet somewhere the same thing yeah. since the Butler trade, and we were near the bottom before. I think this is this is kind of the game where that really started to pick up some steam, and then this put us at, well, this put us at a four-game win streak. I think I misspoke earlier, and it was kind of a nice game to provide a lot of steam towards Rose is playing well. Wow, our defense is really good. Wow, we're on a winning streak. So it was kind of a... An extra check mark towards the things that we've already been seeing, right? Yep. So it's yep. nice when you can sort of confirm. We, we just grew the sample size, I guess, on the, the headlines that we've been putting out. And to continue some other headlines, Wiggs is the only person who really just dropped the ball, three for 15, something we've been continuing to see. 
So that's frustrating. And even in a game where there's all this momentum, there's these great vibes, everything's going well, for him to not be able to figure it out, it's just it's just another strike against him, frankly. And I know before this, we're talking about how Wiggs is going to play in a better position. He'll have guys around him that fit him better. Just thing after thing after thing, how, oh, well, this time it's going to be different. And it's just it's just not, right? Well, just a bad X. To be fair to Wiggins, someone needs to miss the 16 footers on a team. Like he's got to fill a role and he's been doing that pretty consistently. But all joking aside, he'd be the person that you'd point to after the Jimmy Butler trade to say, well, he should be able to play better without the criticism and with the more touches and attention. And it's just not happening. Yeah. And all the other things like Rose and Cove and Sarge have sort of gone like we've gone like the headlines were going right at least up to expectation if not better yeah obviously rose has surpassed expectations but it's it's fun to see his first 10 games also reflect how he's playing or be the same as how he's playing now right Mm -hmm. with wiggins there's just there's nothing it's blank right and tyus's narrative i wrote kind of continued as well he was finally able to get some shots up in a game. I think this might have been the most shots he's had in a game this year. What but was he went it like four? Three for eight. Oh, okay. Um, usually, <laughs> it's seriously been like one or two, one for two or one for three mm-hmm. this whole year, and with less assists too. You know, it's not like he's balancing out with the other, I guess, levers that he's really good at. So those two guys, I think, have definitely been easily the two most disappointing headlines. Think mm-hmm. about it, everyone else is either fitting into the role, not getting played playing time or surpassing their expectations, right? Yeah. Tolliver, you want to see more minutes. Okogi, you want to see more minutes. They seem to play great. Cat finally figured it out. You know, all those things are sort of clicking. Mm-hmm. Taj is silent as ever. But these two guys, I just, I don't see where it's going to end up. You know, you always hear Tyus, Wiggins, and Gorgie probably is the third person you'd mention on this. Yeah, um, definitely. For trade type things, just out of frustration from the Twitter sphere with people who know nothing about like cap space or anything. Just like, how can we get Don't rid you of insult Gordy? my tweets that have nothing, <laughs> that have no knowledge of how the NBA money works? Just Timberwolves read it with the, like, the brilliant idea, like, let's trade Gorgie. And then the top comments always like, have you seen his contract? And it's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, my Reddit burner account is Trade Machine 1, Trade Machine 4, <laughs> and Trade Machine 16. And I'm I'm spitting some heat out there. But I think you brought up all good points. I was going to mention Okogi. He comes into the game pretty late and just throws down a furious dunk, which kind of only fuels the fire. Like, this guy comes in and provides energy, which isn't a great basketball stat in and of itself, but just juxtaposing it with Wiggins, it's hard It's hard not to put those things next to each other. It's a very he's, – he's a hustler. The fans love him, and he's replacing someone who – the fans have not been happy with recently. Yeah, Wiggins. absolutely. And but his stats, ironically, have been really, really similar. We'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But what I go away from on the stats is that he should be getting some minutes, right? And we'll we'll touch on that. Yeah, later. there's but a that, that was definitely highlighted this game. But other th- things that I want to stick with, Cove, I think it's just continued to show that a lot of his off-ball play or like the the hustle steals or you know, this ball has a 90% chance of going out of bounds, but I might as well go for it type things really were contagious in the, this game. I saw Teague make tons of like come from behind steals and sort of those pesky things that when the energy isn't there, people just don't do. And I think he brought that out in just about everyone. 
But overall in the game, everyone got in, got their shots up and made them besides like Wiggins and Tyus. Literally everyone else I think was over 50%. So it was a pretty easy headline to make. And when someone wins by that much, there isn't really a, a breakdown, right? Yep. That's all you can ask for in a really awesome win against the Spurs. Just mean Ty, like putting up a second quarter where you only let up nine points, special stuff and special energy like that is going to happen. So really solid game, you know, from, from the majority of our players, unfortunately didn't travel as seamlessly into Boston. Mm -mm. Wolves take the L on Saturday night, 118, 109. It was a solid game, but I was watching some of it, listening to some of it. And Alan Horton on the radio for the Timberwolves was saying like, it just feels like one of those games that, the wolves are going to let slide and Noah, as you know, like grizzled Timberwolves fans like us, we just get that feeling in our bones. Like it's not going to happen. This is, this ain't it. Timberwolves yeah, fans. You, you just immediately that you wait for the fourth quarter when you're up by 20 before you can sit back and breathe. Yes. It's the Tibbs effect, right? Like, mm-hmm. You can't put, you can't put in a Kogi or, or else everything's going to go to go south. <laughs> yes. And as it turned out, the wolves as the fourth quarter rolled around, I think they went in with a seven point deficit used a 10-0 run at some point in the fourth quarter to bring it back and tie it, but never quite got back over the hump. And the person that really killed us was Gordon Hayward. He had 30, or I'm sorry, I have in my notes here, Gordon Hayward had 30 points. So yeah, you can cut that Boston accent, right? Or just dub it with like Tom Brady, right? I double it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's really been struggling lately. The Celtics really haven't found their footing. So one of the narratives I was looking to go into before the game is they had kind of been slumping leading up to the game, but now they'll probably rip off like 20 straight wins. Yeah. I think the wolves always provide momentum to other teams. Like yeah. A, a launch pad. We've been a nice Appalachian state for at least my entire lifetime. And most of my, my father and grandfather's lifetime win before the big 10 season starts. Yeah. So at least we've got that going for the league, but overall it was, it was a solid game. If we could have just cracked that kind of seven point threshold. Cause they, they had kept us kind of stiff-armed there the whole time. The people who played well for the Timberwolves were, not surprisingly at this point, Derrick Rose and Carl Anthony Towns. And Wiggins even scored well, 17, but it was on 5 of 12 shooting. So, yeah, and I don't know, 5 for 12? And you average that out with a few more 2 for 12s and 3 for 12s? Like, And that's I'm been just, the norm? You can totally tell that I'm annoyed by it, but give the ball to Towns, give the ball a cup. Look at Derrick Rose, who can take similar like like guard level shots right yeah because like the ratio of post to guard shots is hard to force one way or the other right the mm-hmm. ball's just going to end up down low the ball's going to end, end up outside at times but just pass the rose on the perimeter or something right i i think he needs i think there needs to be a new sort of role or position type thing created for him where it's like you can't we just can't have you taking 12 to 15 shots well the role needs to be shaken up some things that i was listening to with the context of wiggins or the celtics some like celtics and other basketball pods were talking about jason tatum settling for a lot of twos and brad stevens would bench him to start the second half and we have enough depth at this point and we're playing well enough where something needs to shake wiggins out of this slump or just get covington akogi sarich those minutes kind of in the aggregate and hopefully he'll he'll step up to the challenge. Yeah, and we were talking about earlier before the podcast that a lot of it might subconsciously, or maybe not even at all, but come down to sunk costs with Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that 
you have this guy who's max contract and you just have to make him good to make your bet look good. But it's just going to hurt you more and more if you get, I guess, like hung up on that, right? Yeah. I, I think he just let it go. If, if he's going to be a great guy off the bench eventually, maybe make that happen. Like, there, There's a lot of roles that he could fit into. I'm not going to say that he shouldn't be in the NBA or something stupid, especially with his athleticism. Like you're still gonna guard guard him and stuff, right? Like he's still a competitive player yeah. in some ways, but you can't just you can't keep this up. He's I playing guess. like a replacement and level player. Chance. You've had every chance. Yeah, I I totally agree. Some of the other points that I would part like some of the other points I would point out in addition to Wiggins really slumping is that this was the first game in a while that we had let up like really bad defensive assignments. We gave up 118 points, which. After the Spurs game, which was an outlier in the streak of games since we've traded Jimmy, that was kind of a surprise. But we know Boston has a lot of depth, and I think they really found their footing against us. All of their starters were in double figures. Like I said, Hayward had 30, Kyrie had 21, and Tatum had 19. So kind of part of their big nine really stepped up against <laughs> us. So that put us at 2-1 and one for the week. Noah, kind of what is, what's your vibe? Like, What's your emotion? I think we literally added up the five. This is not an emotion. I'm sorry, but I think we added up the five thirty-eight percentages, and it was literally <laughs> two wins. So the thing is, we were supposed like there was the percent was that we we're going to win each game. You know what I mean? But if you add them up, it's like it's going to come down to kind of two wins. I feel, and th- those are based on that's based on five thirty-eight having us as like a top 11, 12 team. So I think we totally are meeting our new expectations that have been put onto us right with this new setup from me personally i i my emotions highly gravitate towards that but you know you you do want to see a a runaway three in a week like that'd be awesome it'd be a great way to cap off the week but i think there's a lot of other good things that we're seeing especially with cove and rose that i i would give it like you know like a b plus type week right Mm -hmm. well Um, and just to take our listeners behind the curtain a little bit when i ask noah about his day and if he mentions 538 then it was a good day so it is kind of an emotional cue to be like well 538 says most mondays are supposed to be like this so overall you're ecstatic you're thrilled (laughs) (laughs) wait couldn't you tell (laughs) yeah yeah and the emotion is just pouring into the microphone and i'd agree you know perform to expectation you don't have any twitter type buzzfeed huge rants or something i was gonna make a joke about dunk cost with wiggins but he doesn't even dunk anymore so like floater cost doesn't make sense at all but i think it was a solid week um and it's definitely been a lot of fun to look at our team now in the context of trading jimmy yes so i haven't checked on if we're first still first in defensive rating since he left the celtics game but regardless like yeah completely apples and oranges from where we were yes and even the eye test is showing that some of tibbs is like switching schemes and some of how carl's handling pick and rolls is starting to work and i think covington's been a big part of that and probably just a really really big meanie in the locker room leaving people are kind of like basketball's fun like this is great so. yeah and and you can obviously easily measure how many points your team gives up per 100 possessions or per game right and adjust it for the teams you're playing all these things but one thing when you watch the games is that you see hustle plays when you necessarily don't need to hustle right like you're defending a guy you're containing him 
but then you go above and beyond and try to kind of like choose your reach as well. Covington's really good at that. Jim Pete said Covington's the only guy on our team who he likes when he reaches in because he's so good at it. He has like a nose for the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that has been contagious for other players. And so I think it's really good just to see that extra hustle. And obviously that translates into the metrics because they're giving up less points and doing those things. But I think even the method that they're doing, like the way that they're doing it speaks to how the environment might have been so different on Jimmy, right? Mm -hmm. Because if if you just bring in Covington and Saric and they're playing good defense, but those guys, other guys on the team don't change at all, then it just means that it was just a a purely like a performance type robotic swap, right? Where with, you know, you can almost prove that Jimmy might have been toxic or there's an emotional factor if there's this buzz about the whole team when they get on the court. So, mm-hmm. the, so I think it speaks a lot to, you know, and and it seems like Covington and Towns are getting along well. So, I think we're we're I think the the emotional headline would truly be that these guys are not just only really good players, but they're also a good fit so far yep. in the locker room from what we can see. And from all accounts, it seems like Covington's a Tibbs guy. So strap in to see him play like 48 minutes and say goodbye to his meniscus i haven't gotten a feel for that upper like uh, is is he like is he I engaged think, with I the amount of minutes like that the, he likes has he complained about anything i think taj made a joke about like yeah tibbs loves you and he's gonna love you even more so like get ready to play 48 okay <laughs> which must be around the locker room like the most joke that no one's like actually joking around about like no but for real tom's gonna like run you into the ground like you're gonna need to go to some special doctor yeah yeah for sure bike everywhere (laughs) um on the flip side of things i did want to mention jimmy has been playing pretty well in philadelphia seems like that should work out he's hit two game winners kind of couple step back threes Noah, your thoughts I mean, he's amazing at continuing the headlines on himself, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's been hitting the right shots to get the right amount of airtime, right? I think the question I'd flip back to you is how much, should's the wrong word, but how, how much do we care about all this, right? Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, when in that moment when I saw like the Twitter video of Jimmy stepping back from three, it hurt a little bit. It, it stung like he should be hitting those step back threes for us, but it didn't work out. He's getting TJ McConnell to wear headbands. I was like, where was all of this when you were in town with us? But ultimately, I think we need to be happy that he's gone because he didn't want to be here and it was a bad environment. Yeah, I'm, I'm, following, I'm trying to follow him as much as I would follow any top 20 NBA player. I'd say top 25. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bump it back a little bit. Yeah, I always get really nervous whenever I say top anything because... Obviously, there's a hundred ways to disagree with it, but an elite all-star level semi, player. Yeah. Yeah, semi-level, all-star in the East level player. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, but I totally agree. And just seeing him play well for another team, it just goes to show that he's he is an all-star level player. And yeah, and I want to stick by I never thought, he was never bad for us. He wasn't really never bad for us last year. He hasn't been bad for the six. Like, he is a solid player, right? Mm-hmm. And I think his energy can sort of be used for good and evil, right? Like we saw how pol- not polarizing, um, but magnetic his personality was when he first came to the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Obviously, something changed, and he was able to flip that switch hard the other way, right? Right. Or Taj would never have the ability, or he couldn't even get himself to swing it that yeah. much either way, right? I don't think that would even register for him. He definitely galvanizes the third unit in practice as he challenges the starters. <laughs> so, 
yeah, that's kind of where we're at with Jimmy. Some interesting to look at the context of how he's doing, how the Wolves are doing. Noah, how about you take us kind of look ahead? What's what are you thinking for playoff pictures, or what what is Nate Silver of Five Thirty Eight telling you about the playoffs? I don't I don't want to keep like hammering Five Thirty Eight, but I think it's good to keep referencing that our, our playoff percentage has been sticking around fifty percent, and we're sort of meeting the predictions that have been put upon us since this trade well we all have our favorite tools i've got my crystal ball right here you've got like <laughs> math numbers and predictions and we'll we'll see how it shakes out if only they could see like all your tarot cards flipped over right yes now. i've got all of my crystals on the table as we pod so yeah i think we're i think we're meeting expectations so far that's with this new unit but i think we're gonna need to sort of pull off a four-game win streak or something before we can feel comfy in a seven or eight seed right but honestly it's it's too early to to totally have confidence in a, in a picture like you can only say right now that the raptors will make the playoffs the warriors will make the playoffs right you can really only at this point in the season start to say those things especially when the west seems to always to have just this three to eleven jam right it's extra wacky this year we're going to look ahead a little bit to the Rockets game, but I think they're like in the bottom tier of the West and they're probably looking to make a move. Utah was supposed to be way up there. Now they're at the bottom. So some of the wins that we're going to look that we would look back on or some of the games that we'd look forward to, it's totally topsy turvy of how these teams would and perform. And there's so many gritty teams who are going to have like a 490 winning percentage, right? Mm-hmm. Like I always feel like. I, I, someone's going to really check the records of all these teams that I don't have memorized right now. But like, I feel like when you play the Spurs, the Mavericks, and teams like that, and like the Grizz, who are obviously playing really well, but sort of those Western Conference teams, it's just a hard game almost every night unless you're playing like the bye week of, a, of the Suns, right? Mm-hmm. Where I do feel like in the East, the bottom three or four teams, you can start to get in that, let's just go out there and not screw this game up. Yeah. The only team that's really like definitively at the bottom in the West is the Suns. Everyone else could be good, and the teams that are in the playoffs like could slide out. Like if the Wolves lose bad. to any of those teams on the road besides the Suns, I'm not overly pissed or confused or right. You know, they could have just outplayed you that night. Yeah. So you have here that we have like a 50 percent chance of making the playoffs. So it's a coin flip, which it sort of seems like a literally right down the middle take, but I would not have guessed, you know, a couple weeks ago that we would have a 50% chance to make the playoffs and that it might trend, you know, even more positive. Yeah, entirely. And I think it's fun to have this race to eighth place, right? Where if you were kind of a lock for the eight seeds right now and you're going to hustle for a four seed maybe, but you're just going to get your ass kicked in the playoffs, I don't think that's as... Funny enough, I don't think it's as fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think making the playoffs and not making the playoffs is almost a. There's a bigger split, right? Yeah, it's a huge fall. Just you look back, like, oh, that was a year that we made the playoffs, or it was a year that we didn't. Yeah, it's a very binary thing. Yeah, the Flint Tropics when they were looking to break into the new league, they probably were not going to be world beaters, but they They just want to be there. Like you want to be there with the the big guy. Yeah, they wanted to win fourth place, and I feel like between the two of us, we're kind of the Jackie Moon of the franchise. I'm very much like we will win eighth place. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I'll do whatever. I'll bring whatever bears I need to into the stadium to make this happen. So, 
that's kind of the playoff picture. You've got some stuff about how the Timberwolves have been performing, like value-wise. Noah's going to take us at VORP speed right now. Ah, <laughs> yes. there it is. We need to get some some fancy music and stuff. It only took me a couple hours to come up with that one. <laughs> that's your value. Yes. So I think the big headline with these stats is that I wouldn't read into like too much of the numbers specifically, games and just the variance that goes around these things, but it is pretty clear that Cove, Towns, Gibson, and Rose are sort of our core four. And then everyone else is sort of, for this season, right, on paper, a replacement seventh man type mm-hmm. guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that at the beginning of the year, if I would have named Robert Covington, who you wouldn't have thought of would have been on our team, <laughs> Towns, Gibson, and then Rose. As yeah, your, as your four, right? Well, you're talking to a deep state trade machine redditor, but just yeah, the general person wouldn't have thought that he was on our team. All those rumors that you were up on, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think what Towns is the only person in these four. Gibson, there's some, there's always like gritty Gibson fans, right? But if you made a poll on Twitter or Reddit, you're not going to have these four names come up before the year. I mean, there's Rose stands and all that, but what? Where's Wiggins? Where's Teague? Things like that. Does Tyus have a breakout year? And I think Teague is it's kind of normal, right? Like yeah, I don't think he's boring. Been, I don't think he's been playing super well. I mean, all credit to Rose. We're a lot of our offense relies on him, and who knows if you know his offensive production is kind of stunting Teague or Tyus from stepping up. But if he's going to be taking those minutes and scoring as well as he is, and he's like the best three point shooting point guard by percentage like it's it's shocking that he's here but when you look at his numbers like it's it's totally warranted yeah no he de- he deserves it all and i think interesting question to you i've seen some debate on roses coming off the bench right is that is it don't mess with it because it's working is it i mean he's getting enough decent amount of minutes right do you mm-hmm. think tibbs has this strategic rotation or implementation with him or is it just like, don't don't fix it until it's broken or something? You know? Right. I'll I'll say a couple things on this. I want Rose to win six man of the year, so he needs to keep coming off the bench. I think that would be an absolutely wild storyline over the course of the season. He's a, he's a narrative generator yes. at this point. Yes, it's insane. And I also think I'm guessing that Tibbs has his rotations planned such that Derek is playing against the bench at certain points, like. What I'm what I'm hoping the kind of plan that's sort of underneath some of these wins or sort of the subtext behind the rotations is Derek comes in with Carl or the timing works such that he's able to close out games. So I would say right now it's not broken. Don't fix it. And the way he's been able to enter the games in the first quarter and close out the fourth quarter is working. Yeah. And you have to keep this sort of like give him the golden bench sheet or something, right? Like, yeah. Treat it as like that. There's like six people on the floor. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that. He's just so close to like treat him as if he's a starter, right? In yeah. practice, and I think you need to help him understand that. Like we're like we're respecting his MVP level type quality. Of yeah, in the yeah. past and having like borderline all star numbers right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, game, but the in good teams, oftentimes the best player off the bench is better than like 
the third, fourth, or more important than like the fourth or fifth starter. And I'm not just saying that from my freshman basketball experience, <laughs> but where I was, when you watch the Warriors and you just have this fond appreciation for like Iguodala, right? Yes, I, I always go back to that. Like he's it's it's a fun thing to watch and hear about, and you always see that they get to like roll around in the post game interviews, like, oh yeah, totally fine with it, and just it just makes everyone love you. And I think mm-hmm. Rose is in a really good position to sort of sort of do that and think, change the pace and all of that stuff that a second yeah i think uh, rose and taj have been really good about laying down like like putting that making that quite clear right mm-hmm. just like i'm here put me wherever you want yeah i totally agree it's it's been one of the really fun things about rose i'll just slip this in there too i want him to win sixth man of the year i think cubs gonna be coming for that defensive player of the year too so Ooh. yeah keep your keep your eyes posted to that uh dpoy race so that is kind of where the wolves stand. You kind of had your time to bash Teague there, as uh, as we know you wanted to do. Should we jump in a little bit into Wiggins and Akogi? And just overall, Wiggins had a really bad slump during this week and over like the time since the Jimmy trade. What should we do about his rotation, his minutes? Yeah, like it's almost a perfect narrative because Wiggins has been obviously not everyone's favorite recently and a has been everyone's favorite and they're in similar roles mm-hmm. and their stats have been insanely similar so it, it just easily creates a thing where you can kind of say hey tibbs can we at least compromise on this yes and i want to bring back in sort of the sunk cost thing that I, we just need to get over it right mm-hmm. cool let's just put a max player on the bench some of the time that like that's fine you know it's hard to do whatever, but I think we're going to have to... We want to develop a Kogi, right? We're kind of doing it with Gorgie right now. Like, he's not max level, but he's overvalued contract-wise And I think we gritted our way. teeth for a while. And I think also, once you have Gibson and Towns and those roles, it's a little easier to do because mm-hmm. you have another guy who is turning out to work out really well, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, think, I think that's where a Kogi can just sort of be that. Like maybe he's above it. Maybe he's punching above his weight, right? Yeah. So I, I just I think we need to stop getting so caught up in in contract value and things like that. They both advanced wise have pretty bad numbers. Akogi is worth negative three points below an average player per hundred possessions. Wiggins three point three, more or less the same thing, and they're sort of doing similar things stats wise on the floor, but. Akogi's shooting better, but Wiggins sort of picks it up in the areas of assists and things like that. It's, it's, Which is it's, surprising it, it, because neither of them are really assist-focused players. Yeah, it's like 7.2% and 10.7, mm-hmm. you know, any front on the floor. It should be, you don't usually hide that. If, like, for reference, someone like Rose is 25 or Teague's 34, actually. So at they're this, obviously not in that point guard type assist role. At this point, it seems like, boiled down and simplified, a debate between talent and energy at this point and you should be able to meet there in the middle at some point like you play a kogi then you sit him because he can't shoot but and you know he should take but the, the guy who to work come on in his for yeah. isn't shooting right right and, and so that's really frustrating to me and i think where they totally differ is off paper right i think you got it that a little bit is that his energy right mm-hmm. a kogi is gonna throw it down on someone's face that video of the wiggins with the open dunk where the bench blazing in that I'm practically confident like I could. Yes. I it's just that's I know I know it's not like a make a deal breaker, right? But, it's, but it it's, points to a bigger it's thing. Dumb. Yes. It's like, come on, dude. And can I call for the rest of an argument 
I don't want to hear any more about, well, if Andrew Wiggins really that athletic, he's got this God-given athleticism. Well, he is athletic. Well, yeah, You're but, not arguing that he isn't, right? No, but do you know who else is athletic? Josh Okoge. And like <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. who comes into the NBA, he's not Giannis or like that level of an athlete. He's just really good, you know, good enough to no, make it to No, but you got to admit that I don't think there's a greater like gap in someone's athleticism and like right. performance in the NBA. Right. But yeah, you can just point to someone and be like, oh, wow, he's so athletic though. You should see him in practice. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, I see him in the games and I'm disappointed. So I'll, I'll put at least for myself to rest the statement, you know, if Wiggins is that athletic, maybe he can put it together. Yeah. And I know we didn't really first take this up because I think we're both in agreement and almost everyone is mm-hmm. that a Kogi should get some more minutes. I do want to make it clear that a Kogi's stats... 11th on the team in box plus minus so it's like he's not a rock star it's not derrick rose level oh my mm-hmm. gosh get him out there but when he's the same as the guy who's been crap maybe yeah. give him somewhat similar minutes yeah he's like, got to earn like 10 to 15 minutes he should be getting like five i think yeah. you can gift him that um, i think we're on the same page yeah absolutely before we go into next week's games i wanted to just c- throw a couple of big sports news talks at you we kind of reached down into the college game last Friday and decided to check out the Minnesota Golden Gophers. A little at bit US. of scouting. Yes. Your thoughts on the Gophers, because I think Jordan Murphy might be around in the league next year for those Woo. local. Got a double-double. As everyone knows, big gopher deep cut. Randy Brewer apparently had the record way back in the 70s for most double-doubles in a career. No, I know you were impressed by the bank and the drift in there. What were your thoughts on the college game? Very interesting basketball setup. Little Darren Ravel type thing is that you have to do an exhibition game before the final four oh. to like test things out. Wow. So that's why they had basically this whole event. Because it seems so odd, right? Like, Oh, I thought it'd be like a promo. Have yeah. the damn thing at the barn, right? Because mm-hmm. it looks really odd. It was sort of cool, but it was... It just didn't fill the stadium, obviously, right? It was kind of cavernous. Yeah, and it was just weird to watch a basketball game in a huge football stadium. I get why they do it for the Final Four, but regardless, fun game. They got the dub. Yeah, we stood in the student section for about 10 seconds. Noah looked at me and said, you can't see because the floor is raised, and we went and found some other (laughs) seats. So, you know, we we got to live both both sides of the life. Just a little college basketball teaser. Yeah, we're, we're a big sports news podcast. We cover it all. So, real quick, looking ahead at this week, I think the Wolves have some good chances. The game at home against the Rockets could look scary based on last season, but... Got a 52% chance there. Then the Hornets, I think that should be an easy win to pick up. That's one you just got to pick up, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard a lot of stuff about Kemba Walker trades. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. So that would be kind of my indicator of like, oh, this team's not doing well. People really, really want to trade for their best player. And then the tough one's going to be the Blazers game. And that one's on the road. So that puts us at like a 39% chance to win. Yeah. So honestly, win two, two, get two wins this week super happy one win kind of sucks it's one and two so i don't think there's a an easy narrative on the the record i guess yeah so when the wolves pick up two wins this week noel will be just as ecstatic going into the next pod Might tweet out a picture of me like with a like a sly smile <laughs> yes big soft smile after a two and one week well with that how how <laughs>